everybody. Welcome into Concrete Jungle. It's been a week. That will happen every now and then, though, depending upon the way holidays fall. So, welcome inside the studios of FingerLakes1.com. Paul Russo, joined as always by Kyle Evans. Kyle, good to see you. It's been a week. Uh, have good fourth for you. Assuming plenty of baseball that you were watching. Mixed in with some golf. Really? Went on the golf course for the first time. And how did we do? I played as bad as the Mets did for the pr- first two seasons. Oof. Oof. My swing just feels odd. I feel like I'm a baseball player. Right. And uh, it just feels very uh, the uncomfortable. Same. I've, I've, I've had the same problems. Uh, but you know, A lot of line drive, low hits. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, uh, I did a lot of different things, actually, over the, the, the break, I would say. Nice. But, yeah, it was a good one. How about yours? Can't complain. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, it was down in Pennsylvania, so enjoyable. Shout out to Sheets. Um, but yeah, got to uh, t- took in the Double A Erie Seawolves. They hosted the Akron Rubber Ducks, so that was pretty fun and yeah, fun time by all. So I can't complain too too much. Uh, before we go any further, before we jump in, I think a couple of our sponsors: Sano Propane, four generations strong, is a trustworthy and family-owned business with unmatched customer service. Go online at thesanopropane.com for more information, or you can call them toll-free at 1-800-752-4574 today. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane and Doc Daddy. Unleash your waterfront potential and let Doc Daddy install custom dock, stabilize your slope and shoreline, install seawall, and more, including barge service. The local company serving the Finger Lakes homeowners, you can call them at 585-739-455-5415 today and schedule a consultation. Uh, You know, this weather would have been perfect for Dock Day to get out and help out locally here for people. So make sure you give them a shout uh, for your Dock needs. So, Kyle, a lot to get to to cover in a week. So we're going to be doing what we kind of do when we've had this situation before. Do a couple hot hits and, and kind of get going on everything here. We'll begin with the Yankees four and three in the last seven days. Um, so just a hair kind of over 500 ball for them. I kind of want to begin though with Anthony Volpe. Um, when we last spoke, it's kind of weird how timing works of everything, right? Um, I think the conversation finally was starting to shift a little bit from the whole entire send him down type thing to, okay, kind of find his own in. Past week, he has really been in a groove um, to the point that even this morning, I got a push notification for fantasy baseball about he's become a top 10 pickup in fantasy. So it's been nice kind of watching him flourish. And, you know, it's <laughs> funny, we'll be talking uh, when we get to the Mets really about Francisco Alvarez once again, but it's funny how Really, you know, you give these kids just more and more just time to kind of find themselves and get it figured out that, lo and behold, they, they go ahead and do it. Yeah, and the big joke all over Twitter is, uh, you know, how he fixes swing. And uh, thanks to Austin Wells, I don't know if you ever saw that story, Paul, but Austin Wells uh, went over and had dinner with him uh, one night during an off day and uh, kind of talked to him about his swing, and he made some adjustments. And since uh, the dinner that they had, he's been hitting like 340. So, uh, yeah, you can just tell too. He's more um, his his the way his foot's 
the way his front foot's placed, it's just it's a little different, and he's starting to hit the ball the other way too as well. And a lot of multi-hit games mixed in there, and even some hits against really good pitching. Um, you know, the Orioles have some really good relievers, and uh, you know, he had a home run last night. Um, so yeah, he's he's been uh, been one of the the major bright spots here, especially with you know Rizzo and Stanton. You know, kind of eh, doing all right, but not great. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned last night, but, you know, he's been clutch here over the course of the past week. He, he really has been, um, mainly against Baltimore, who you talk about their relievers, but, I mean, their starters, too, have been absolutely phenomenal all year for the most part. And now Tyler Wells has become more and more of a household name to ton more baseball fans outside of, say, just Baltimore and AL East opponents, right? Um it's kind of fascinating, too, because, you know, you mentioned the swing element, and I've noticed he's had more of a – you talk about the front foot, and that's where it kind of comes from, right? More of a close stance in my mind almost, in a way. Um, and he's always been – to me, right, he's a fast guy. And so he doesn't necessarily look to have, like, a home run or anything like that, right? Um, I mean, how we hell, we were talking about him two weeks ago, how he's – finding himself on the base path, stealing bases, and creating offense that way. And, you know, you mentioned the Austin Wells thing, which I hadn't seen, but, you know, a couple guys who clearly know each other well enough that they can meet up and kind of figure this stuff out together in a way, right? It's huge. It's huge, right? And Austin Wells is presumably somebody will more than likely see in pinstripes here within the next calendar year, I would assume, at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can't complain, I guess, in that regard either um oh go ahead i was just gonna say uh you know he did get thrown out uh on the base paths for the first time this year but uh yeah when he's on he's a he's a major threat and of course uh what's his name from oakland just running away with stolen bases as well as ronald acuna jr um but volpe you know for being a rookie uh i think he has six seventeen stolen bases now it's pretty good and it's funny because I, I forgot to put it in our in the notes for the bats, and we'll talk about them because they're also just been on the base paths and incredible. Um, <clears throat> I do I want to talk about too another kind of bright spot to me that's kind of been happening, and um, you were actually the one to, to bring it to my attention really a little bit was Zay Connor Falefa, who you know we've talked about right what was his role going to be going into this year, and I wouldn't say he struggled. It was kind of on par for what he did last year to be completely honest to start the year, but course of the last 10 days 10 games he's been about as good a Yankee hitter has been all year um, maybe the power numbers aren't there obviously but that's just not him but average to RBIs to all the other stuff in between it, it's been IKF and I think part of it is maybe collectively more playing time right I mean it's something that we talk about right you just get more opportunities to see things and and do your work and do your craft that that happens, right? But I think part of it is just also the fact that, you know, he's finally settled into this his role what with the team and it's kind of now allowed him to just stabilize across the board and go out there and perform. And um it it's kind of funny because um you know, I, I certainly am probably am the IKF apologist more so than anybody. But I mean when he has the past 10 days like he has been, I mean, it, it's hard to kind of knock a guy. And 
to be fair, you know, you look at maybe the last seven days like we are in this sense since we last spoke, four and three, well, slightly above 500, and the Yankees have made up a game and a half to Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I don't think the Yankees maybe get a couple of those wins without IKF. It's hard to, it's hard to kind of maybe outright disagree in a sense. Um, you know, I'm sure there may be some other room. You know, we just talked about Volpe being clutch in certain spots and everything like that. But, um, you know, IKF has been a really good, more or less this hitter to table set within the lineup at various spots over the course of the past 10 days. Yeah, and his approach at the plate is clearly different. He's working counts. He's hitting way more fly balls. I, I heard the stat uh, yesterday. His fly ball percentage is up to 26. Yeah. Last year it was 13. Yeah. And the league average is 24, I want to say. I might be off a couple on the numbers a little bit. But, um, yeah, he's hitting more fly balls. Like, uh, what was it, uh, Monday? He uh, drove in a run with a sacrifice fly, and there was some stat that he had only like two of those over his last 112 games. Um, so, yeah, he's just doing things that he hadn't really done last year. Um, I think he's trying to drive the ball more rather than just put it in play and hit all these ground balls. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been great to say. It's great to see. And we do have some breaking news. Davey Garcia is up from Scranton, and he's replacing Vasquez on the roster until Rodon's activated tomorrow. So it'll just be one day. Right. Probably won't even be used tonight. Right. But, uh, uh, yeah, he'll be in the pen tonight with Michael King not available after going uh, multiple innings last night. So he's probably more of the long guy in the pen. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't want to – we kind of maybe do that a little bit of a discussion now. Yeah, I was kind of wondering because they, they did the Vasquez option last night. Yep. It was like, seems a bit premature for Rodon given the fact that we know he's coming – in theory, tomorrow. Yeah, he is on the game note, so it is official. Rodon will be starting tomorrow. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it was just one of those things where I saw him like, huh, that's a bit premature, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, that would make sense, right? I mean, they're bringing up a guy in, in Debbie who's you know, more or less technically the, a full-time reliever now. So, yep. all right. Yeah, that makes sense. About to say, I mean, he couldn't bring up Matt Crook. They sent him down a borderline immediately when they called him up. So, um, that'll happen. All right, uh, we, we probably should address a little bit of an elephant in the room here, speaking of pitching staff, Jimmy Cordero. Um, of course, on the heels right of Domingo Herman in the perfect game, Cordero gone for the year, domestic violence uh, violated the policy with obviously the MLB, uh, but now is also going to be in his own world of trouble within it. Um, and he was a spot, especially early on in the, in the season, in my mind, for the Yankees, that, that really stepped up and needed to be done. But now um, – I think the future uh, professionally for him is a bit murkier, obviously. Um, timing, like I said, just it couldn't have been in a more interesting time, right, given the fact that Herman throws this perfect game last week. And, you know, I, I don't find it coincidental that there were co-AL players of the week. Obviously, the MLB does not want to be parading around a domestic abuser and they shouldn't anyway. Uh, but, um, yeah, Cordero gets dinged for it. And um, I don't want to be the guy who recklessly speculates in this realm, right? But I, I know I jokingly said to you off air, but I think it's worth questioning, right? Is um, is there some sort of potential oversight with the Yankees here with some of these guys at this point? Um you know, like I, to go back to something we talked last week, both me and you were 
pretty much on board with the Yankees just getting rid of Herman last year. They didn't. Um, and he's kind of, like I said, he's, he's stayed out of trouble since his domestic abuse. Uh, so I, I don't know where they can kind of go with Cordero here. Um, I'm not saying it's the fair thing to do, but I don't see how you could drop one guy and not the other guy or vice versa in this situation. I think the Yankees have firmly put themselves in a more or less a rock, you know, stuck between a rock and a hard place in this situation. Yeah, um, the news definitely caught me off guard, and I think a lot of people are forgetting, um, yeah, this is a bigger deal in baseball, but uh, Cordero was one of the major bright spots in this pen, and if you remember, he actually made that uh, spot start in Toronto and Mm -hmm. had two perfect innings. Um, So, uh, yeah, he will be missed. Um, You know, they have the best bullpen in the league, but he was a big part of it. Uh, So hopefully uh, somebody else can, you know, fill that void and, and, uh, you know, continue to make it a really good bullpen. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it, it sucks to see uh, this stuff continue to happen. This off the field stuff, you know, like you said with Herman and now him, and um, hopefully these guys uh, like kind of. I guess Herman, you know, went and did some uh, counseling and, right. and stuff to try to try to help him. And uh, I would say it's worked. I mean, we haven't heard any more issues with him, and hopefully Cordero will do the same thing. But uh, I don't expect Cordero to be a Yankee anymore. Okay. And uh, there is a rule. Everyone wants him DFA'd. He cannot be DFA'd until after his suspension's over. Yeah, there's also, because uh, I know, I forgot where I necessarily saw it. I can't remember if it was, like, Reddit or, or Twitter. Um, more or less, it was talking about the financials of it. And um, because it's, it's funny how these things work. If If this happened, like, a month ago, the Yankees could technically have DFA'd him and not paid him. Uh, but because he reached a level within his um, service time meeting, some sort of a vesting thing, uh, if they were to DFA Cordero, they would have to pay him in full. And I know it's not a ton of money that he's making, but um, you know these teams obviously go with the money's money element of it. Uh, the difference being he's actually going to be making less anyway because the Yankees put him on the restricted list also during the suspension, meaning that he will not be paid 100% of his salary, which is, um, I think, <laughs> if there's any consolation price to not DFAing him, I think that that would probably be it. But um, I think that's not for me to outright say or, or speculate on in that sense because – uh, frankly, I, I think, like I said, we know my stance on this. We know your stance on it, and our stances remain probably unwavered, no matter the outcome in this situation. Yep. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know he gets the help he needs, and um, I'm sure uh, he'll be back eventually with some team. But like I said, I don't think it'll be the Yankees. Mm-hmm. I do want to pose one quick question here because we are kind of, I think, already running along a little bit in terms of the tooth of talking Yankees. Um, we go through the weekend, and Luis Severino had another rough start. Um, and he does, not to jump too far ahead, he does get the start tonight, Thursday night against Baltimore. Um, but, you know, we kind of, we, we sat on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and we've, we've kind of been talking anyway about it a little bit, but are the Yankees kind of encountering what I call the Severino problem here almost, where... Um, 
you know, he's probably supposed to be your three guy now, but, you know, exclude Rodon out of this for the time being. He's he's He was your two, going to be the two of the future. And I know he's coming off the injury still and technically and everything like that, but um, if, to me, if we weren't allowing ourselves to do that so much with Verlander at this point, we can't do it with Severino. Uh, so my question to you, Kyle, is do the Yankees have a – Luis Severino problem, frankly, here that they that they're gonna have to deal with. Yes, they do, and it's okay to be concerned. Um, I mean, he literally said it himself. I don't know if you saw his his comments, but uh, you know, he said he feels like his pitches uh, have been pretty good, um, and he doesn't know why they're getting hit so hard. And uh, you know, he's been trying to figure it out between starts with Matt Blake, and um, you know, he had that one good outing, uh, shutout outing against Texas against a great offensive team, and then. All these other teams, he's just giving up home runs left and right. I think that's 12 now this year in 40 innings. Uh, so the home run ball is killing him. Um, his velocity continues to dip. Late in his last start, um, around the fourth, fifth inning, it was dropping three or four miles per hour. So I don't know what's going on. He said he's healthy. Boone says he's healthy. Um, but is he really healthy? I mean, this is a contract year. Um, so is he just trying to pitch through something? Um I don't know, but I, I almost we'll find out more tonight, I guess. I almost think it, it's both him and the Yankees trying to pitch or something because think about the time when they when they brought him back into the fold. I mean, they, the Yankees needed some sort of arm in that rotation at that point. And I, I don't know. People play her all the time in different sports, right? But to me, anyway, you can't go from shutting out an offense like Texas, right, to you go against an offense like St. Louis and completely just lay an egg. And every ball seemed like it was getting hit hard. And that's another thing, too. Um, you know, these guys aren't just getting hits off from They're literally crushing the ball. It's like it's literally like it's batting practice, yeah. and it's concerning. Definitely, yeah. Now, I was intrigued by your thoughts on it because, like I said, I I think the problem is at the door. I think it helps, obviously, Rodon's going to be back into the fold for the Yankees. But, um, you know, it's interesting. I almost feel – and I don't want to say I'm. There's this over panic thing here, but I almost feel better, say having Johnny Brito in the rotation than Severino at this point, or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Where it's at least you know what you're getting every outing with, say Brito, whereas with Severino, you you kind of do, but also kind of don't. I don't know. All right, let's talk about some injury updates, some roster moves here. Uh, the list for the Yankees is quite expansive, uh, only because it's very detail-oriented this time around. So, Nestor Cortez threw a bullpen session in St. Louis when the Yankees were in the, and visiting the Cardinals. Says he didn't feel any stress or pain. He only threw 20 pitches during the outing. He said it was mainly all fastball and cutters. He said there was probably a pitch or two that was a slider. Uh, so, slowly building back up for Nestor at this point. Um, and I'd say also the main thing there was the fact that he just didn't feel any pain or anything like that. And that's uh, got to be a bigger deal. But I would hold off on that because, like like I said, he only threw one or two sliders in that, and that's going to be the biggest stress on his arm uh, no matter what because, you know, fastball and cutter are similar grips. You're not putting anything extra on the pitch as opposed to if you're throwing, say, a slider or even a curveball for that matter. Yeah, there actually was an update. Um uh, he actually did throw a second bullpen, oh. uh, 25 pitches, um, and that was, I think, two days ago now at the stadium. Um, no word on how many pitches he threw, but says he feels good. 
Um, he'll throw another one this weekend. Um, and then after that, they said he'll be facing live hitters. So uh, I think their timeline's been basically right all along mm -hmm. after the All-Star break, break uh, late July. So getting him back would be good as long as he returns to his old form. I mean, if you remember, uh, he kind of struggled a little bit too. Uh, and we were a little worried at times about him. I remember we you were mentioning on the podcast that, you know, is it time to worry about Nestor? So hopefully he comes back strong. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is funny how we kind of outright talk about this. So uh, maybe for the sake of, of us, Luis Severino doesn't end up on the IL or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> yep. Trust me. Uh, Aaron Judge, uh, so good news. They ruled out surgery. Um, and it's come out within the past couple of days that he's actually prepared to more or less just play through the pain at this point. Uh, he himself said that he doesn't believe it's something that um, – will be as immediate as even he has hoped uh could be uh even a couple of years if he to not feel any pain potentially but uh, what was interesting is on the back end of it i did read that surgery in the off season is still possibly on the table for him but uh, in addition to the catch that we saw him play in oakland a couple of weeks ago now um he has also done the what do they call it? like non-contact t-swinging I, I don't know uh, but he's at least uh, progressing along baseball activity-wise still uh, as surgery has been shelved, at least for the time being. Um, let's piggyback off that quick. Kind of already mentioned it enough already, but Rodon, he's expected back in the rotation tomorrow. He made his final expected minor league rehab start on the July 1st with high Hudson Valley. Um, don't panic. It was just because they were the only minor league team home uh, as opposed to Somerset and Scranton both being on the road. So uh, nothing to worry about there, and that is how those two are looking uh, at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be nice uh, nice to get him back, a Friday night game. Um, hopefully that's a boost. Uh, hopefully it goes well, too, because then you have the All-Star break. Mm -hmm. You don't want him to sit through the All-Star break if he gets lit up, you know, thinking about it. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a good matchup against the Cubs his first start back. Um, so hopefully it goes well. All right, a couple other just quick hits here. Jonathan Lasaga uh, doing well, slowly building up the throwing program. Um, not too, too much of an update there. Uh, the main thing was that Boone uh, more or less said that they aren't going to really rush him because just the workload for him at this point has been so few to get things going that um, it's just going to be a lot of pitch and catch for him at the moment, nothing off a mound as they slowly build him back up. And the Matt Crook, I mentioned, recalled an option. And uh, as we already kind of mentioned a little bit here, Randy Vasquez also optioned to triple A Scranton Wilkesbury. So uh, they'll do it on the news and notes uh, for roster and injury. Let's look here at the remaining game for the Yankees against Baltimore before welcoming the Cubs to town. Uh, we'll begin outright flat with tonight, 7.05 first pitch Thursday night on ES. Kyle Bradish goes. He's four and four on the year for Baltimore against Luis Severino, one and three for the Yankees. Um, I can't, I don't think I can really understand enough. The Yankees, you know, like I said, they gained, they've gained a game and a half on Tampa Bay through the past week. Um, obviously this is a big series against Baltimore. I think if we hypothetically did a podcast on Monday, I would be less than enthused just coming off the way the Yankees overall played against St. Louis. Um, but uh, I, I like the way that they've collectively played against Baltimore outside of last night. I think they get the series win today. 
I don't know if Severino's going to get the decision or not, though. If you're asking me outright to pick maybe in that lane, I just don't know. I don't feel confident. Like I said, uh, just the way he's pitched. But maybe he's going to pitch up to the competition today and do it. But either way, I think the Yankees are able to get another game on Baltimore and take a pivotal four-game series victory, 3-1 to one over Baltimore. Yeah, um, I hope you're right. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just I'm feeling a split. I mean, the Orioles are too good to lose a series to the Yankees in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to stick with it, a split. All right. So, the last series before the All-Star break for the Yankees is home at Yankee Stadium against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, none of the Cubs starters have been announced yet, and technically none of, of course, it just did. Let no, guess, the so. PR department sent these out last night. They've oh. been announced. Okay. Um, it's. Do you want me to name them off? Or? Um, let's, uh, let, let's, let's say each day here. So tomorrow, Friday, uh, 7.05 first pitch on yes. We know that the Yankees will be rolling with Carlos Rodon, but the Cubs will be going with? Jamison Tyone. Oh, it's revenge game. Yeah, <laughs> so that's going to be quite the matchup. All right, so um, so only so you only know about the Cubs then is what you're saying, or do you know? No, also? Yankees too. Okay. So I figured on the notes I put in that Saturday Sunday should be a combination of Cole and Herman, right? Yep. Okay. Cole Saturday. Ah, I figured. I figured. So Saturday 105 on uh, the official network of baseball viewing for Kyle Evans, Amazon Prime or MLB Network if you're out of Wait, the New York market. Yep. Saturday Prime game. Surprise. Yes, it's a two prime. this week. Yep, prime or if you're out of the New York market, uh, MLB Network. So that will be Garrett Cole then for the Yankees. Uh, Cubs are going with. Can I take a stab and say something? Say a guess. Yep, Justin Steele. No, <sighs> is a left-hander though. I don't know that. Oh, Smiley. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then Sunday, uh, one thirty-five on yes or MLB Network. So we know Herman. And is this where like? Kyle Hendricks comes in. Yep. Wow, my good. With his two point six four ERA. Yeah. He's weird though. He um because I've bet him a couple different times on different prop lines and um he's looked really good, but he's had a couple starts also since coming off the IL where it's been I wouldn't say off the rails type stuff, but he'll have an inning where like he'll be really efficient pitch count wise, and then he'll get to like a third or fourth and it's like a twenty something pitch inning. Kind of like, like Jamison Tyone. What's going on here? So and Tyone's been all over the place. Six point nine three. Right. I'll go the Yankees. Get two of three. Uh, the Cubs are plucky enough that I definitely feel like they could get one. And um, frankly, they're playing some pissed off baseball right now. I don't know if you saw everything going on behind the scenes with the Milwaukee series, but uh, nobody's happy in, in, in Wrigleyville right now. So uh, I think the Yankees get two of three to wrap up the. Even though we're already through the first half of the season, the de facto first half of the season. Yeah, I think the Yankees have the stars they would want. Um, obviously, Rodon's a little question mark because you don't know how he's going to be. Right. But um, if the offense shows up a little bit, I I think they could sweep the series. But just to play it safe, I'll say they just take two of three. Mm. Um, hopefully, the, that second win comes on Sunday so they can kind of go into the break, you know, with a win. Um, but yeah, it should be a should be a good weekend for them. All right, let's transition over to the Mets, where they have actually had a, a really good seven days as well since we last spoke. Uh, they are 4-2. and two. Uh, They did have an off day in there uh, during the past week. And I just want to start with here, um, and then we can kind of jump into a couple of different things, right? They're winning. 
I know it's winning ugly for a few of these games, but winning's winning. And when you're just winning sometimes, that can solve a lot of problems. And frankly, I've, I've noticed this more in this series against Arizona than I did against the Giants, even though the tail end of that Giants series was definitely a big plus-plus for them. But they seem to just be having a different aura around them in this Arizona series. And I think it's more or less they're just out there, they're playing baseball. You could definitely tell they're having a little bit more fun in this Arizona series, all things considered, uh, than maybe pretty much every other series and game they've played in so far this year. So uh, I don't I don't know what if you feel the same way, but to me, it just feels like a different team right now in the past week. And I think, uh, especially within the past few days, they're just kind of carrying themselves in a little bit of a better state than when we last talked last week. Yeah, I was watching the game live last night. Um, I'll admit it, I had my story written, one nothing loss to the Diamondbacks. <laughs> and then they put that two-out, ninth-inning rally together. Um, the, the reaction from the dugout, too, really stood out to me. It seems like there's finally energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just because the team they're playing is, you know, a very good team. I mean, they're 13 games above 500. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, the vibes are different lately. But then I just think back to that five-game win streak in May, and they never built off from it. Mm-hmm. So now they're at four. Are they going to lose the finale today, which would still be fine because they won the series, but then just go lay an egg this weekend? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to see. Don't get me wrong. But they've also dug themselves so deep that a four-game win streak's not good enough to get back into this. They're going to have to really keep running and wins out there. Um, And hopefully, you know, Carlos Carrasco continues to throw the ball well tonight. I'm sorry that I probably already – Spoiler alert. Yeah, but uh, (laughs) I think it all starts with him. You know know the stat. When the starter goes six innings, they're they're almost unbeatable. I mean, look at last night. Singa's longest outing in his MLB American – U.S. side career, right? Yep. And um, tied his career high in strikeouts. Right. I mean, and that's something that we'll, we'll jump on here in a second because I do want. I, I, it wasn't so much Singa because I, I think he's been the shining star out of that collective pitching staff this year anyway. Um, so I, I didn't want to do too too much on him, but we'll touch on that in a minute. I do want to jump to Alvarez because he has that clutch hit again last night. But he's been now in this spot a couple different times, and I don't think we've maybe talked about it enough is the fact that he's really kind of stepped in as this clutch hitter for the Mets. And um, I have a stat. I think the title of the I think the title of the podcast kind of says it all because we talked about it with Volpe, and now we're doing it again with Alvarez. But these kids are all right; like they they get it figured out and they can do it. And you know, Alvarez is certainly not to you know pun not fully intended here, but he's stepping up to the plate and and doing what he needs to do. You know, and you have the stat of the day, apparently, so I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I wrote it last night. Um, he is he leads Major League Baseball in home run or game tying home runs or go ahead home runs mm-hmm. in the sixth inning or later. So as you said, that's clutch written all over it. Um, and it's kind of crazy that no one's even tied with him. He leads the league with five of those. And remember, he didn't even start the season with the team. Right, right. So that's just very impressive from a 21 year old mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, that's that, that was quite the stat that I saw last and night. And he officially has the Met catcher rookie record for home runs. <laughs> yep, so Lots finally some positive stats for the Mets. Right. And, look, I, I hate banging the drum as much as we do on some of these things here, but, like, 
to me, it's just further proof about, you know, you look at Volpe, you look at Alvarez, both had their struggles at certain points, right? But you give them enough time and they go out and they do their job, right? And they perform and they go above and beyond. And I know we haven't talked a ton about him lately either, but Brett Beatty's another one where he's finally getting more bats and he's finally kind of coming around a little bit better. Kind of one of those things where, especially to me on the Met end of things, um, you know, <laughs> just bring up Vientos and Mauricio at this point, let it ride. Um, I'm intrigued. Um, you know, I didn't. we didn't bring it up with the Yankees, but you'll get a guy like Everson Pereira who is like first AAA at bat cranked a home run. I mean, I, I go back to kind of something I always think about is, you know, as much as – how, no matter how good you are or anything like that, there's always somebody behind you that can do probably just as good a job as you when given the opportunity. And uh, I think, you know, personally speaking, you look at the Mets, and although it's been a stellar week for them, they still actually lost ground to the Atlanta Braves, in the, at least in the division, right? Now, that being said, they gained at least on the Phillies in front of them. They stayed stationary to the Marlins above the Phillies. You know... <laughs> If you want a gun for the wild card spot here, which, um, you know, they aren't going to, you know, they won't be at that 12-game below 500 mark that we kind of thought they could be at going into the All-Star break. Kind of opens the door back up for, I think, you know, maybe you don't buy, but maybe you don't sell at the deadline. If, you know, if you want to go out to me at this point and contend this year, I think you've got to bring up Vientos. I think you've got to bring up Mauricio. And I think you've got to just give these kids the shot and – have them do it honestly at probably the most important time of the year well a week ago when you were here the, i remember the mets were 10 games out of the wild card and now you look and they're six and a half so in seven days they've gained some ground um yeah i mean three and like a half, i said half's no joke but yeah and and like i said uh they've dug themselves so far though that they can't go out and lose the next two. They caught a maybe only one loss in ten games. Do stuff what the Braves are doing to get back into this, which is don't lose very often. Right. right. Um, and the teams that are in front of them, like the Cubs, are the Cubs really better than the Mets? No. Are the Padres? No. I mean, are the Padres? What are the? Well, Padres? That's going to be an interesting series this weekend. Not to jump ahead too too much, but that's going to be an interesting series this weekend. And then the Brewers, the inconsistency with them, and the Giants. I mean, they're they're three and seven in their last ten now. Remember after going on that win streak? So these teams that are in front of them aren't, in my mind, better than them. The Mets just have lost so many games, they f- they've fallen behind those teams. Um, so hopefully, uh, for their sake, they you know they just keep winning, and that's really what it's going to take. I think a big part of it, too, is, and this is kind of like that last really major point I kind of want to talk about the Mets, is their starting pitching the past week really has finally, I think, I'll call stabilized. Um is it where they probably want to be? No. But you look at last night with Senga, right? We kind of talked about that already. But Verlander's finally put together a couple good starts in a row. Same with Scherzer. And I know their strikeout counts maybe aren't where um, aren't where that they thought they could be or where they should be, right, going into the season. But they've, they've kind of stabilized themselves, right? And like I said, they've gotten a couple of good starts in a row. They've gotten it going, right? David Peterson, I know it wasn't as good as a start Sunday as it was, you know, Tuesday last week. But it was still a good start. It put the Mets in position to beat the Giants. And 
um, you know, you talk about Carrasco, this might be a kind of a, I wouldn't say a put up or shut up a game for him in a way, but um, not again, not to overshadow someone coming up here, but like Katana's not far away either in this uh, from rejoining the Mets. So um, starting pitching, I'll call it stabilized, and there are some bright spots going on there. The bullpen to that end as well has had, I would call it a decent week as well, but <laughs> I'm watching the game Tuesday night on July 4th, and, you know, Smith brings in the bases loaded. Robertson comes in on a dud inning or a, a trash inning, as I enjoy calling it, as a reliever. Gives up a run, but he's able to work out of it. One of those things in the back of my mind where I'm sitting there and I'm just going like, oh, God, like here, like, here it is again, kind of in a way, right? And I don't know, and again, I don't want to overshadow someone we're going to be talking about here in a second, but, like, they make a trade for some relieving depth in the past week only for one guy they DFA'd us so they can kind of clear 40-man spots and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the positive end of things is, is – is the fact that it's stabilizing up, but the negative of it is just, again, although the bullpen, like I said, has looked good because there have been spots where they have held, like the Sunday night against the Giants, for example. They did their job. They held strong, but, you know, to bring up Tuesday night, they they, they almost blew it. Yeah, um, the starting pitching, uh, like you said, is, is the key here. I, I just looked at, looked up the stat. When a starter goes at least six innings, they're 25 and four and when they go five innings they're 38 and 24 so that extra inning is huge with a bullpen that has just cost the Mets too many games this year you look um, at some of these stats I mean they're just they're really bad in June the Mets bullpen had a 4.45 ERA Mm -hmm. in May they had a 4.77 so far this month they're at 3.60 but of course you know, we're only 60, or f- well, right. technically five, because they haven't played their game tonight yet. Um, so, yeah, this is a this is a time where they have to go out, and the bullpen just has to be better in general. I mean, these were two awful months back-to-back. Maybe they'll uh, finally figure it out. And like I said, they, they have to go out and make a trade. Uh, I know they kind of already did, whatever, but you got to go do more. That, that's not good enough. Yeah, that depth piece. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with depth pieces. Every team and every bullpen needs them. Right, but I, the the bigger deal with the Mets isn't so much the depth pieces at this point, you know, and that's someone that we've harped on for who knows how long, and uh, you know, and it didn't, it all kind of stems maybe from them just kind of not doing anything when when you know when when Sugar got hurt in the World Baseball Classic, frankly, but that's retrospective at this. Point. I do want to mention something too. It's it's kind of funny since that ten game suspension that Drew Smith has been. Nothing short of awful. I mean, right. I mean, he so, walked. He walked the bases loaded Tuesday night. So, like, is it like does he actually need sticky stuff to actually perform? Because he's just like uh, Friday night he hung a slider over the plate, three run homer. Um, just hasn't been good. Right. Aside from Robertson, Ottavino, and Rayleigh, like all the other guys that are in that pen just aren't consistent. Mm-hmm. Don't give them enough. So they really got to do something about it. Yeah, and even then, I mean, the past couple of weeks, I can think of, you know, a couple of different times that specifically Rayleigh and, and Robertson have been shaky at best, Yep. you know. So, all right, let's jump in. A couple of news uh, and injury notes and roster updates for the Mets. Kind of mentioned it already a little bit, but Jose Katana, 
Uh, did struggle in his last rehab start uh, with Triple A Syracuse, um, and that was really only something. He had an elevated pitch count. He wasn't finding the zone all that well. Happens time to time for a pitcher. It wasn't anything like mechanically or anything like that. It was just kind of struggling. It happens from time to time, right? So the plan is he'll have one more rehab start. That will come tomorrow, Friday. Still at Triple A Syracuse when they're in Worcester against the Who Sox. Uh, at that point, the plan would be a sim game at City Field during the All-Star break. And as long as everything goes good there, he'll be activated to the Major League roster. So like I mentioned a little bit with Carrasco and the rotation as a whole, Katana's coming. And it's, it is at this point what I will call at the front door of happening. The biggest question is when he does return, how is he going to perform? I mean, we looked at some of his recent years, his stats, and it's they're very, shaky. It's every other year kind of almost. Yeah. In you just kind of don't know what you're going to get. But then I also think about, like, at this point, could he be any worse than some of the guys they've had on, on the roster? You know, like when Tyler McGill has struggled or Joey O'Casey's had his bad outing. Or, you know, what's another guy that I'm forgetting? Uh, what's his name? Who's another guy from AAA? I'm drawing a blank. Peterson? Yeah, Peterson. I mean, before his last couple starts, he was all for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he still has a six, plus six ERA, so yep. uh, there's that. All right, so I mentioned the depth, right? Right-hand pitchers Trevor Gott and Chris Flexen acquired from the Mariners for left-handed reliever Zach Muckenhern. Flexen has since been DFA'd. He's also a former Met anyway in the first place. So that's, you know, a nice little reunion until that happened. I'm intrigued by the Trevor Gott portion of this. I know it's mostly for depth, but he had a really, like, renaissance year last year with Seattle. Um, was banged up this year. Uh, Seattle's also trying to figure some stuff out, so I, I don't know what to fully make of this trade. I think it was just kind of swapping bullpen pieces between two teams. They kind of are trying to figure it out more or less, but – Got intrigues me more than Flexen does, and obviously, you know, the Mets see Flexen more as the depth piece because they had to clear a 40-man spot, uh, and he was the victim two days after the trade for it. Yeah, that trade was, like, just so random and odd. I, what was that, like, over the weekend when that broke, I think? Yeah, Saturday, I think. Yeah, to, I was just, like, caught off guard. I was like, wow, what a weird trade, but I guess, uh, you know, they wanted to do something, um, but I do think they made the right move um, getting rid of Zach Muckenhern. Uh, the guy wasn't that great, um, and I think Seattle lost this trade. <laughs> like that, like that, they're they're not, they're getting a guy that just hasn't been good and hasn't had that much experience at the big league level. Right. Um, so it was just an interesting, weird trade to me. Yeah, like I said, it to me it was just two teams struggling in that regard, and they're just kind of swapping pieces to see if they'd work or not. You know, I know Muckenhurn still has options available. Uh, I know Flexen doesn't, obviously, if they just DFA'd him. Uh, I think Gott maybe has one or two, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by really kind of everything that might happen there. I'll jump ahead on the notes-wise, but the 40-man spot was to clear a, a spot in the 40-man for DJ Stewart, who comes up. And um, <laughs> somebody said on Twitter has already done more than – Vocal Bach has and in a couple yeah, of had a sack fly in his yeah. first game. Yeah, so uh, but DJ's done a really good job at, at Syracuse and definitely deserved this opportunity to at least get a shot here with this this week run up to the All Star break. Um, I know the Yankee portion of this. No, we know it quite well, right? Because he's a Baltimore kid, uh, was brought up through the Orioles system, and the past couple of years has been a, a trudge through AAA baseball trying to get back to the majors. And uh, you know, like you mentioned, first at bat. Are big, it ended up being a big sack fly in all honesty to bring in a, a 
needed insurance run the way the ninth inning actually played out Tuesday night for the Mets. Yeah, I thought for sure that the bullpen was going to blow that game just the way it's gone. But, um, yeah, he was uh, – I, I like the move there. But what about Tim LaCastro? I, I haven't heard anything. Is like Yeah, the update on him is still – post all-star break because i'm wondering if he's healthy is he the move that would have been made over stewart or um but yeah i i think eventually lacastro will be back up for sure yeah i mean uh, all all signs still point for lacastro post all-star break uh, at least returning to syracuse uh for action um so just a couple other news and notes danny mendick uh shortstop and right handed reliever jeff brigham uh, both option two, AAA Syracuse, and reliever right-hander Denny Reyes was designated for assignment. He had been at Syracuse mostly, so it's just more or less clearing a 40-man spot there. So uh, they'll do it on that side of things for the Mets. Let's turn our attention to tonight. They look to sweep. That's right, sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, I don't think that's a phrase that, that we've said in a while, to be quite honest. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious to know how many sweeps they've even had this year. Right. Feels like zero. Not many, I know that. Um, so tonight, Thursday, 940 on SNY or MLB Network, depending upon what market you're in. It's Carlos Carrasco, 2-3 and three against Ryan Nelson, 5-4, and four, former prospect, top prospect for the Diamondbacks. I'll jump ahead and say it. I'll do it. I'll drink the Kool-Aid. I don't really care. They get the sweep. Um, and this is somebody from a guy who has faded Ryan Nelson a ton betting-wise. So um, I will gladly have to bite the bullet if they lose. I will go sweep tonight. And I think it's also a little bit because Carrasco knows he's probably pitching at least for a spot in the rotation. Yeah. Fine, I'll say it. Sweep. Yes, boy. I'm proud of you. Yeah. How does it make you feel? I just think the vibes are too high right now to, to lose. But I could see them going to lose to the Padres this weekend. Yeah. Speaking of, who teed it up perfectly, the final series for the Mets before they also break at San Diego. Tomorrow night, Friday, 940 on SNY. Justin Verlander, 3-4 and four against Hugh Darvish, 5-6. and six. Saturday is a 10-10 first pitch on SNY or MLB Network, depending upon your market. David Pearson, 2-6 and six against Blake Snell, 5-7. and seven. And then both pitchers on Sunday to be determined for both teams, but it's a 4-10 first pitch on your local picks affiliate. Um, yeah, this Padres team, um, they're a lot like the Mets, to be completely honest with you. I, I don't know what to make of them. Uh, they should be better than they are, and they just aren't. They DFA'd Nelson Cruz, who just gets caught being a victim of circumstance in this deal. Um, I think the Mets do take two or three, though, against San Diego. I think the only loss they get is probably on Saturday. Blake Snell, like I said, it's 5-7 and seven for him, but he's got a 3.03 ERA. Uh, so he's been a, a, one of the few bright spots uh, for San Diego this year. Uh, but I think the Mets take 2-3, of three, go in the All-Star break strong. Kind of, like I said, I, I think they keep the vibes going, quite frankly, that they've had the past week. Um. Sorry, sorry for. I'm just thinking. I know it's weird silence for everybody. Oh, uh, you're but, fine. I know. I um, you, you were slaving away on that keyboard over there just now. <laughs> yeah, just trying to keep out everything. Uh, I don't know. Well, one of one of three for the Mets. Oof. Yeah. You don't think the vibes stay? No. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's uh, wrap up here quickly with our friends in Rochester and Syracuse. It's been a tale, more or less, of two weeks for the teams. 
Uh, Rochester went three and four this past week. Syracuse zero oh and six. Um, it's been a lot of roster movement on both ends. I, I get that, but um, uh, to me, it's more of an indication too, though, of maybe where they've been collectively all year. When you see Rochester go three and four or three for, three and four in the week, but they've been super at least in ball games in Syracuse for the most part. Uh, kind of as I'd say limp to the finish line in these games in a way where it's like, eesh, not not the best <laughs> once again uh, for the Esmets. And um, uh, at least early on here, I, I'll have to take it. I, I thought both would be really up there. And, you know, Rochester is. Rochester, despite them being tied for 11th in the grand scheme of it, they're only two games back of first and first place, I think. I can't remember who it is exactly, but I know they're undefeated. They're 7-0 and or Eight and zero technically, in to start the second half. Which uh, hats off to you if you're if that's what you're doing, in that sense. Uh, whereas Syracuse, I mean, uh, if we kind of go back to maybe like we get out of that first series of the year when they just kind of went off the rails at that point. It's like okay, and I know there's a lot of first year stuff kind of with Syracuse, you know, managerially and stuff like that. But like, damn. Um, we certainly had high hopes for them, the way, especially the way they finished off the first half of the season. These two teams flip-flop so much. <laughs> you just don't even know what to expect. I mean, even the Red Wings could have a better record. If you look at those four losses, right. I mean, a couple of them are close. Like I said, they've been, in, they've been in like every game. Yeah, so it's just like, it's just so unpredictable with these teams. Um, I guess that's just AAA. Uh, but yeah, the Mets have dug themselves in a hole already. Yikes. A couple, uh, couple, like I mentioned, the roster moves already. Uh, left-hand reliever Tim Kate was assigned from Double Harrisburg for Rochester. We begin there. Left-hander Jose A. Fierre was recalled by Washington. Catcher Luis Torrens was released. Uh, he asked for his opt-out and his deal. Uh, right-hand pitcher Volley Javier was assigned to Double A Harrisburg. Right-hand pitchers Daniel Magnin was assigned to Rochester. Now fielder Alex Call was recalled by Washington. For Syracuse, shortstop Jose Peraza was sent on a rehab assignment to the Complex League Mets in Florida. Reliever, name that we talked about a ton for the big league club, Alicia Hernandez was assigned to Syracuse. And outfielder Abraham Almonte was assigned as well. Alex Valverde, the right-handed reliever, was activated. So uh, a lot of shaking to get going here for this first half, of the, or the second half of the season for both teams. That tends to happen. We have the next kind of, like I mentioned, these rounds of veteran contracts are set to either have their opt-outs where you can opt in to do that and be released and become a free agent or you opt back in for another few weeks. Um, I'd expect we'll probably see some more movement here in the coming days. Um, what's interesting is uh, the, the, I, think, I, think, I think it's going to be a telling situation. I don't see that maybe happening in Rochester, to be quite honest. And in Syracuse, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of those veteran guys maybe exercise that opt-out. Your Abraham Omantes maybe, even though I know he just got back off the injured list. But I wouldn't be surprised if he if he hypothetically were to do it. You know, I, I think it's fair to kind of wonder if, 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 that, if in those situations, whereas with Rochester, they've been competitive. And uh, we talked about a ton, right? It's just been a different kind of energy in Rochester, it seems like, this year compared to Syracuse. Let's give a shout-out to Luke Voigt real quick. Yes. I'm sure you saw – Everything that went down with him with his, what was it? No shirt underneath no the jersey. No sleeves, baby. Yeah. Um, it's the vest jersey. And then Homer's in his final bat doing it. Uh, Off the scoreboard. 
So um, that's a guy right too that has an opt out very soon, I would think. Um, I think because of how late he is, he is still, I think, 10 days away from his, I think, first threshold of it. And then with the all-star break coming up, you know, he's not going to be called up. Right. So unless there's some injury in the next, you know, couple days. But right. uh, Well, I mean, the thing is, too, I think we kind of forget, like, AAA, even though there's no all-star game for anywhere in the minors again, they all they do exercise the all-star break. You know, when we come back and reconvene on Monday – we will have nothing to preview for, for the next four days across the board. We're going to be talking about the home run derby, right? Pick yes. our winners. Bring your bracket. Go Julio Rodriguez. Hey, bring your bring I just your I don't Honestly, I'm not a fan of a lot of guys that are in it, and I don't like some of the guys that are in it. It's like, an interesting let's one. Let's bring year. more stars in it. They tried this year. I know they did try this year. Like, Luis Robert, like, yeah, great player. I like him, but, like, is that really a guy that everyone wants to go see in the home run derby? They, I know they tried this year. They, they, this goes back to my overall problem, I think, with a lot of these competitions is the fact that if you want to grow the game and you're a player saying you want to grow the game, then don't back away when you're offered the opportunity to go. And Noel Tani, I just thought about that. I'm not. Did he just decline it straight out or? I think, I think it had to do him with, uh, because it was just announced he won't pitch in the All-Star game. He'll bat, but he won't pitch. I think it had more to do with they weren't sure where he was going to be rotationally yet. And, I mean, frankly, if you're the Angels at this point, I don't know if you want your batters or anybody, for that matter, doing any more extracurriculars because just they might have lost Rendon for an extended period again. It, they're, they're, the Angels have taken a beating the past ten days. Yeah, imagine, like, a home run derby. It would never happen. But, like, Stanton, Judge, Otani, oh. Alonzo. You kidding me? I mean, that would be so fun. Um, Jordan, Jordan. If oh yeah, another healthy. good guy. Yep. Oh, gosh. I'm sure Mike Trout would find his way there. Yeah, but see what I mean? Like IL. more of the stars. You see what I mean? Like yeah. I know a lot of guys don't want to do it because, you know, they just they just want the break or they just don't well, want to do it. But to be fair, look at Pete Alonso's not afraid to back down from this. Pete Alonso's all in on trying to take another crowd. Like that, that's his thing. His whole entire mantra coming into it is just like, no, nah, I'm just. And to be fair, it's the same with Vlad Jr. Mike Rowe Jr. is the same mindset. He's like, I'm just going out there to hit home runs. Like, let's see what happens. Like, I, I, I at least respect them for going out and just doing it, you know? Yeah. I know, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really watch the home run derby or they don't care to watch it. But I always like it just for something to do. I mean, it's the break. There's nothing else really to watch. Baseball's the only thing that's on right now. And I do like, I do like the knockout format they have now. I think it's just a nice little new twist on it. And, you know, I, I still enjoy it. It's fun. Who doesn't like dingers? Yeah, Julio in Seattle is going to win it. Oh, well, you can save that for Monday. You know that, right? We'll bring it back up. I'll have <laughs> some more thoughts, more right. more opinions. I respect it. All right, so that will take care of Concrete Zone for today. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. I know this one was definitely a longer one, uh, but we had a lot to get to uh, after the week off. So we'll be back Monday. Uh, no worries there. We aren't no, – no holiday running into to this situation. Um so until then, enjoy the baseball, enjoy the weekend, everybody, and we'll talk with everybody on Monday.